Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to Rates and Barrels, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70 at tops.com. Tons of great cards live each and every day. Derek Van Riper here with Eno Saris with you on this Wednesday. A bit of a different look if you're watching us on video. Uh, travels have returned, therefore road pods are very much a part of our life right now. And uh, the chaos around road pods also includes sometimes doing slightly shorter episodes. So if this is one of our shorter episodes, it is the chaos of life yet again raining down upon us. How's it going for you on this Wednesday, you know? Yeah, don't mind me as I try to move a pillow behind me because I'm like in the guest bedroom uh, hold up uh, as the kids are sure to scream in the hot tub outside. But uh, it's all in the name of family fun. Uh, but I am glad that we'll be driving home tomorrow. I'm recording from the third floor of the McAllister home from the movie Home Alone. So up in the, the McAllister <laughs> attic. Pretty good acoustics up here, though, so a uh, different backdrop. Hey, wait, for me. I recognize that backdrop. <laughs> you got a few options, to, to say the least. Yeah. Uh, what what you guys don't know yet, uh, should we tell him? Sure, you can tell him. He's at my house. <laughs> but he knows not here. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Very strange, very strange. Uh, you'll find out more about why in the coming days, perhaps. But uh, uh, yeah, so I'm uh, hello, hello, my house. <laughs> Your house is still here. It's in great shape. You didn't burn it down. That's good. I did not. Did not have a bagel <laughs> go awry. So definitely some good news there. Uh, but let's get into some news items that have broke since we last spoke at the end of last week, and we will kick things off today with Videl Bruhan getting the call for the Rays, and I think. Bruhan's a player we've been looking forward to for a while now because we're expecting him to make a pretty significant impact on the base paths, at least on a per-game basis. I think there are some questions longer term about how he fits into the current build of the Rays lineup temporarily. Manuel Margot is on the IL, so that opens up time for Margot to play in the outfield. The Rays trust him in all three spots. He debuted at second base as part of a doubleheader on Wednesday. Uh, where are you setting the expectations for Bruhan in his first go as a big league hitter? You know, I just, the, the biggest problem here, it's almost like a uh, minor league pitcher coming up where you're just missing a large part of the data that's really important. Uh, because if you look at his background, you say, okay, this is a slap hitting contact guy with, with, uh, with what we hope is good patience. So um, I don't know who's a, who's, uh, a, a comp for that, like an Iglesias type, mm -hmm. uh, you know, somebody who will get on base, but they might, you know, kind of force the bat out of his hands. You like, you might not expect to have a 10 or 11% walk rate like Bruhan had in the minor leagues. If he actually does uh, have true talent, 100 ISO, because it's just going to be sort of, you know, 
you know, fill up the zone on him because you're not scared of him you know, hitting doubles, right? Um, and uh, but then you also have these sort of uh, bright spots in Bruhan's uh, record, including this year at AAA, where he has a 212 ISO. And you know, if he was a major leaguer and you had this kind of background, you would have the exit velocities, the barrel rates, the kind of stuff that can help you refine. Uh, your projections, given a small sample like 216 plate appearances, with almost double his minor league ISO to date. So what makes him exciting is that ISO could be real. And if that ISO is real, then he could be a sort of 260 to 275 hitter um, with you know something like 20 homer power and 40 steel legs. Um, and he could play it. He could have second base eligibility and an outfield center field eligibility. So that's super exciting. That's a, that's, I'm describing a ceiling though. Uh, I think his floor is a lot more like a 240 hitter, uh, that, uh, hits you maybe 10 homers in a year and, uh, maybe doesn't get on his, on base as much because that walk rate goes down. And so therefore is more of like a 30 steel guy plus you throw in the wrinkle, it's the Rays. And so, you know, is he just going to be here for a while while Margot's down? Or does he uh, play his way into regular role? Yeah, I wonder if this is something of an audition for him, especially in center field. We've talked about Kevin Kiermeyer being someone that's pretty vulnerable to losing a significant share of playing time. And if the Rays are willing to take a little bit of a hit defensively and move things around and either play Bruhan there or shuffle the defense around to adjust... That could be one way to increase that playing time, but a big side platoon role for Bruhan doesn't seem egregious as far as like a short-term cap goes, and then that already starts to whittle away his value. He goes from being someone that you'd want to have in possibly all leagues because of the stolen base potential to someone that is a little bit more difficult to roster depending on the schedule, even in some 12-team leagues, if the bat doesn't come around right away. I think there's a huge range of outcomes, and I was looking for guys with rest-of-season projections with a 240s-ish batting average, and I guess at this point we'd be looking for about eight to 10 steals and you can go down the list. You see Manuel Margot actually 260 with nine steals, eight homers. I mean, that, that could be the type of fantasy player that we're getting right now is another Manuel Margot. And that's not necessarily going to win your league for you, but it could be an upgrade over what you have currently in some leagues. Yeah. I just think that there's a possibility here for that kind of Fabapalooza, um, energy where people are really excited about him uh, drop, you know, uh, 20% of their FAV budget or more on this player. And then he ends up being uh, an injury placement and goes back down. I mean, that's just, um, I would say the meat of the possibilities here, um, you know, kind of projecting and, and sort of depending or paying on that ceiling ignores the fact that the Rays don't really like to give up assets ever or, or drop anybody. Like, they don't want to DFA anybody. They don't want to release anybody. They're not going to trade Kiermaier, you know. So are they really just going to DFA Kiermaier uh, to get Bruhan that roster spot? And and if you kind of look around that roster, who else would they DFA? Like, who else would they get rid of? They've already gotten rid of Tsutsugo. Uh, you could say G-Man Choi and throw Brandon Lau um, at first base. The problem is G-Man Choi right now has the best d- weighted runs created plus on the tee. Um, and maybe that's a lot of Babbitt luck, but he is a guy who gets on base and does his job and 
has some value uh, to the Rays. So uh, who else would you drop? Yandy Diaz is a possibility, but he's still above average with the bat um, and, you know, has some pop. And then you kind of, and then it's Brett Phillips, really. Um, and they acquired Brett Phillips. They traded for Brett Phillips. And it's, I guess it's a possibility. That's, that's the weakest spot in the roster. DFA Brett Phillips um, and give Bruhan what, 60% of the playing time between center field and, and second base? And then Kiermaier becomes a defensive replacement? Yeah, I guess, you know, you could also... There's there's one other way you could do this. You could option Taylor Walls back to AAA once Margot comes back. Mm, give Franco the full-time job at short. Play Wander every day at short and make Bruhan your kind of floating infielder if you want to do that. What Wendell used to be. Mm-hmm. And I suppose third base is still an option, but I, I just I haven't heard third base for Bruhan. Yeah. I don't I, mean, I think there's maybe some lack of arm strength there. How much do you think we can learn in a week uh, about their intentions with how they use him, though? Because I've been duped by the Rays before. I think Nate Lowe was the classic guy that I thought the Rays really liked because of how much he was playing and where he was hitting in the lineup, only to find out a few weeks later, no, actually, we're going to send him down because choice healthy (laughs) again. So I am a little worried that even a few weeks, two to three weeks, might not be enough. Like if If he's only good or okay... Or if he's bad, he obviously goes down. But if he's just good or okay, that might not be enough. He might have to be excellent to actually stick for reasons that are out of his control. And it could be with the timing, we're still two to three weeks puts us, if it's two weeks, 10 days before the trade deadline. If it's three weeks, we're talking about a couple of days before the deadline. That could play into the Rays are obviously going to be a team that will make a move or two once we get to the deadline later this month. That could help clarify some of the uncertainty that we have around how the pieces fit. Yeah, I just... Uh... I don't see them trading Bruhan or Franco. I guess Walls uh, could be trade bait. Because there's nothing left for him to prove in the minors. Yeah, and you know, maybe he could big back he could bring back something that's better offensively uh, than defensively because they've proven that they can really suppress runs with the elite. So maybe they just want to get um, a short term bat like Nelson Cruz, like Taylor Walls for Nelson Cruz. That wouldn't be crazy, would it? It wouldn't be crazy at all, actually. I don't think. Because Taylor Walls would, you, you, for them, they've already moved Jorge Polanco off. You know, maybe they could give you back Simmons, too, if you wanted, you know, if you wanted sort of a defensive guy as a replacement. But uh, Nelson Cruz would be uh, a short-term upgrade in on offense for them. Um, anyway, it's a possibility. I, you know, it's hard for me to tell what quality prospect Walls is across the board because – they have such a log jam that it makes him, oh, he's like the Rays' sixth best prospect. Well, that could be the first best prospect for the Twins, right? Or the, you know, or for another organization. Uh, but he's also, uh, his package is more defensive forward than offensive, I think. And we just, we just know from the trade, from the how people get traded and how people get rewarded in free agency that uh, defensive first profiles are not uh, necessarily uh, sought after. Yeah, I am totally with you there. I mean, I think Walls is the most tradable of those young players. And I think the defense plays at a high level. That alone gives them a good floor. 
definitely one of those guys that could be on the move that would obviously help us. But the Rays could also just say, we want him to be our shortstop. We like Wander at third, and we're cool with Bruhan moving around. And that sort of leaves Joey Wendell also in one of those long-term spots where we don't really know what to make of him. Wendell I could see getting traded just because uh, he's too old. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, he's too too near the end, you know. But I just, it's a weird thing. Like, I don't think, like, the Twins would be like, yay, Wendell for Cruz. No, but we were excited about a different trade that went down. Rowdy Telez mm-hmm. is a brewer now. I mean, I was Woo! very disconnected for a good part of the day yesterday. And when I got back online, the NBA Finals game one was on. So I, as a bandwagon Bucks fan, had to sit down and watch that. Wasn't even scrolling my phone. Wasn't looking at baseball news. And it turned out, yes, Rowdy Telez, uh, our our son on this podcast, <laughs> is, is now a brewer. I couldn't believe it when I, when I it's saw that. It's funny because... That people call Daniel Vogelbach like, like our large adult son, but I think on this podcast, Roddy Telez is our large adult son, and now one is replacing the other. And I mean, the thing that we've liked, uh, you know, I think on this podcast is is pretty obvious. He uh, barrels the ball really well. I mean, uh, up there with uh, in the elite. And um, he made a big adjustment. Uh, like this year, his barrel rate, even in a bad year, is 13%. For his career, is 11%. 10% is sort of where I start to really take notice. So he's, he's, he can barrel the ball. And then he made it a big adjustment in the last two years where he, he cut his strikeout rate from near 30% to above average in the last two years. So I just find that a fascinating package that I will always bet on. <laughs> Um, but uh, Keith Law pointed out something pretty interesting. He said that he hasn't hit fastballs. So I, I looked up uh, Woba against fastballs uh, over the last three years, minimum uh, 150 fastballs. Number one right now is Trevor Larnock. So it's not a huge sample. As you can tell, it's enough to get him in there. Uh, number two is Abraham, Abraham Almonte, which is uh, surprised me. Number four is Cruz. Five, Stanton, six, Azarena, seven, Springer, eight, Harper, ten, Judge. I mean, the best hitters in baseball feast on fastballs. Um, and uh, uh, you have to, uh, you have to go uh, um, uh, down to three forty-four out of six forty-six uh, to find Rowdy. And just to give you an idea of who he's hanging out with, uh, he's hanging out with Hanser Alberto and Tim Locastro, uh, Josh Rojas, who's improving a little bit. So it's not a, it's not baked in for good. Jake Bowers, uh, JB Crawford. Anyway, uh, it's not, it's not a great group. I would just say I, I, like, I can't, I don't. I can't square the circle. Like he, he has great barrel rates, good strikeout rates, has immense upside, and he must have hit some fastballs to get here. <laughs> so, like, I just, uh, I think this is just a quirk of the sample, uh, honestly. But if it is a real flaw, then maybe uh, Vogelbach takes his jog back from him. I don't know. Telez has options. 
Yeah, I mean, it's nice that he has options because the Brewers don't have a lot of flexibility unless they're sending someone like Hira down. We've talked about Hira a lot. Just to check in on him since coming back from Nashville, he's hitting 244, 360, 488, entering play on Wednesday. Still has a 34% K rate, but walking 10% of the time, and he's been 31% better than a league average hitter in terms of WRC+. So kind of tracking back toward at least the good version of Hira, if not the the best version that we've seen so far. And that, to me, is enough to keep Telez in more of a part-time role. I mean, maybe you have the occasional tough righty where you feel comfortable uh, sitting a guy like Hira down in that matchup, but I see Telez as still more of a part-time player in Milwaukee, even with Vogel back on the IL. How long is Wong out? Wong, I look... I guess, uh, I, maybe after the All-Star break? I think after the All-Star break is the, the hope. So... Hira played second base back in April the first time Wong got hurt. He has not started a game at second base in May, June, or July. So that tells me that ship maybe has sailed. It's still an option if they need to get everybody in, if offense is an issue, if Jace Peterson gets hurt. He's playing a ton at second base right now. But really, they're just they're, they're just trying to find a way to hold it together with some of the options they're throwing out there. So I, I think Rowdy at this point is really just somebody that we're pretty – Excited about an NL only leagues adding to the pool, getting some cheap power, getting at least two, maybe three starts a week in a good week. Um, but I don't think there's a whole lot of mixed league appeal as it's currently constructed right now. And I do think the fact that he has options left was a big part of the reason why the Brewers were comfortable acquiring him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is interesting. Uh, the, I mean, he's a lefty, though. So, like, you know, if it does turn into a straight platoon, then this really hurts Hura. Um, it's also just a question of, like, how much do the Brewers value him? They sent out a reliever, but they sent out two relievers for Adamas, and that turned out really amazingly, and Adamas uh, is a full-time starter. So I think there's still the chance that that happens, you know? And in fact, some part of me says, you know, get Rowdy for 1% of your FAB budget uh, and stick him on your bench and see what happens rather than get Bruhan for... 25% of your, your FAB budget uh, and get screwed. So, I mean, uh, the chances that either of these guys like turns into a full-time starter for the rest of the year and gives you all that you, you dream of might be similar, way more similar than, you know, some might have it. It's closer than you think. It goes back to one of our, our long-term threads that we pull out on the show. It's like at a certain point, is it, Better to have a player that has some track record in the big leagues who's already gone through the adjustment phase, who's already failed maybe more than once, but still has big league teams interested, still has these skills, still has these traits that we like versus the unknown of someone like Bruhan who could go through an even greater adjustment phase that first time around before he's even ready to help us uh, in any sort of meaningful way. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Um, I do think there's another guy that kind of fits into this conversation. If you're looking for cheap speed, it's Daniel Johnson in Cleveland. Uh, I don't think he's necessarily a great player, but I think in deeper leagues where you're speed desperate and the big money is going to go after Bruhan. Johnson's the kind of guy that will play more with Eddie Rosario on the IL. It may be temporary. The only thing that gives me some pause is that when I look at his profile, you know, Daniel Johnson's K rate has gone through the roof this year at AAA. And I'm trying to decide if that really means a lot to me or if it's actually just something that it's the result of the broken 2020 season where a lot of guys are knocking the rust off in the first half of 2021 and we can't look at inflated K rates at that level as a necessarily new baseline. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. His strikeout rate had been floating around 20% um, until this year, it just ballooned to 33 and a half at triple a. Obviously the year off had something to do with it. I also think he's might be, might be trying to transition a little bit from a guy who didn't have that much pop early on uh, to, to hitting the ball harder. So maybe there's some, you know, give and take there when it comes to uh, the strikeout rate as well. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, maybe these guys are all in the end only guys. I mean, that's you know, only league guys. That's the uh, that's the thing. And so if you're going to spend a ton on Bruhan, I don't know. I just I think that the Daniel Johnson bets are also bad <laughs> because I mean you can you can convince yourself you're like I'm always spending a dollar on this guy, um, but sometimes it's a uh, dollar for a week. Yeah, and then he gets optioned midweek, and you take a zero for part of the week because you thought oh, I might as well play this guy. Yeah, that's the worst. I hate that. I mean, I don't know the timing of injury uh, reports and. You know, like I hate also hate the like the Tuesday that your 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 team has an off day Monday, uh, but you have to kind of set your lineup and then you set the you set the guy in and you have no options. That's why it is nice to have uh, some uh, like Wendell. Uh, Wendell has been a a roster saver for me in a lot of places where just to have a guy like I can put him in util and then if something bad happens you know, with a Tuesday report or something, I can put Wendell in there and then have, if there's anybody on my bench that can split into Util. Um, so I, I think those guys, types of players are really useful. Johnson will be OF only. Bruhan is probably 2B only. Uh, and Rowdy is first base DH. So none of these guys are going to come in and, and solve that for you. But Bruhan does have that possibility. You know? Yeah. I think you can dream on the Bruhan ceiling a little bit more. You're really looking more at floor. Floor power from Rowdy, floor speed if it clicks for Daniel Johnson. But that is a big if, given what we've seen at AAA from him so far this season. All right, you know, let's talk about Sixto Sanchez. We found out that he is officially out for the season. Things were weird kind of going back to spring training with him because if you might recall, at the end of March, they optioned him to the alternate site. And... There wasn't a lot of warning before they did that. I think the initial thought was, oh, well, maybe they're just going to be careful because of past workloads and he's absolutely fine. Within a couple days of that happening, he reported some shoulder soreness and 
He's been trying to increase his throwing program on multiple occasions in the time since. Turns out there's actually a tear in his shoulder. It is a small tear of the posterior capsule, and that has required surgery. And the Marlins are cautiously optimistic that he'll be ready for the start of, of 2022, but this is a pretty massive setback for a guy that looked really good upon arrival last season. Yeah, and the toughest thing for me is that the shapes on the fastball are not amazing. Uh, he's kind of a sinker guy with the with that slot, and um, it's not it, it, the the shapes on the fastball are not uh, conducive to strikeouts. That's why you've seen uh, up and down his minor league record. You know, not uh, not great strikeout rates. Um, but then he 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 like really opened eyes when he was sitting ninety seven. You know, when he came up and was sitting ninety seven, then you're like, well, shape matters a little bit less if you're just going to blow it by them. And so the thing that worries me is that he has a surgery and he comes back and he's at 94, which is fine. But I just, uh, I think at 94, um, I'm more likely to look at like a 7K9, you know, a 50, 55% ground ball rate and say, this is not a fantasy ace. This is not fantasy ace material anymore. Right. Ceiling comes down quite a bit without that velocity due to the issues that you mentioned with the fastball, but uh, definitely a significant blow. I didn't think this was going to turn into an out for the season situation. I just thought back during draft season, it could be June or July before we saw him. And unfortunately, he's not going to make that timetable. There's nothing harder, I think, in rankings uh, than trying to rank a guy like that. I think I had him all over the place. And in the end, I had these just like these little injury pockets where it's like, uh, okay, I've run out of arms I really like uh, that are healthy. So now here's a pocket of like six to Thor sale. You know what I mean? That mm-hmm. was all these little like, in, like they kind of described a tier in a way. Where it was like, okay, you know, I'm done with the with the arms I I really can believe in, and so here's some guys I could believe in if they were healthy. Um, that's just the only way I could figure it out because um, we're gonna look back at. Sixto, Sale, Thor, Severino, and at least one of them is going to have been a good investment. Right. But, and it didn't look like it was Sale, but it might be Sale in the end. But even the cost, the cost isn't draft day cost. The cost is roster management and season cost. Like that's, that's the miserable part of the whole thing. It's never the actual draft day acquisition cost. And I, I don't know how we're ever going to calculate that really well. I think you just get two camps of people, the camp people that will take the chance and the camp people that don't. Take a chance. Yeah. Yeah. I will say um, I took very few chances of like actually drafting an injured pitcher. Uh, I took two ones that that stick out to me, and I, that was almost the only two I can think of. Uh, I really didn't want to do it in NFBC formats because there's no IL. So I was just like, I learned that from last year, and and my teams are all doing better because of it. Because innings and and plate appearances are the real gold, I think, in NFBC, where you can really get behind the eight ball with a short bench and no IL. Right? Uh, if you look at where Jeff Zimmerman, Jeff Zimmerman is doing really well in his NFPC teams, um, and he's also doing really well in innings pitched and plate appearances. And that's like, it gets kind of his approach. So I didn't do that at all in those, but in other ones where I had ILs, I said, well, come on, I gotta, I gotta take a shot, just one, you know, who's it gonna be? I don't know, the cheaper one, you know? So Thor went off the board and Severino went off the board and I got Sale 
in my barf league, which is there's Glarf. You're in Glarf. I have I have sale in Glarf. Yeah, <laughs> I have sale in Glarf. Uh, I am fluttering between second and third uh, in that league, and I need pitching. And I'm looking at sale, and I'm like, well. And someone came was like, uh, you give me Judge, I'll give you Woodruff. And I was like, it, it makes sense looking at standings and all that, but I'm just staring a hole into sale right here where I get to keep judge. I get to keep judge and just wait on sale. And the other one is um, AL Labor where I took Severino for a dollar. Uh, we have unlimited IL on that one. And again, I need pitching and I'm in second place and I'm just looking at Severino being, I guess it's you, old pal. Yeah. You have a deadline acquisition already stashed away. It's magic. Yeah. Yeah, and re- in related manner, I have very little FAB in all these leagues. <laughs> so we'll see how this works out. But yeah, I mean, it, it always comes down to your league structure and stuff. But um, I, I definitely have an ear for people who are like, I'm not going to pick up an injured pitcher, and I'm not going to draft pitchers that I think will be injured. That second part becomes a lot more tricky, though, because it requires uh, a pretty – rigorous rubric and i also think you can be right by accident you're not always right by process with some of those guys you know a pitcher strains a hamstring covering first base and you were worried about his arm well right you don't really get a w for and that don't be the, don't be the pain guy being like i told you so i told you he'd be hurt and you're like he got hit by a pitch at the plate <laughs> yeah he uh, kind of rains on a lot of parades that's that's his uh his mo don't look he was raining he was talking about somebody's mechanics for the kid who died from Tommy John surgery from complications after Tommy John surgery. So like that's about the very bottom of the barrel. Don't, don't even don't go look. It's just terrible. Yeah, that is definitely terrible. Let's talk about Adam Eaton for a moment. I was just surprised to see this break. terrible, but in a different way. (laughs) He's played very badly. And the White Sox are up there with torture transitions. (laughs) (laughs) What? How do you get DFA'd by the White Sox right now as a veteran outfielder? Like, Who needs, they need everything they, they can get. Need everything. They DFA'd him when Adam Engel came back, so they're going to go Vaughn Engel, Goodwin, Gavin Sheets as their primary four outfielders. Oh, I know Lord. Larry Garcia plays out there too. What does that say about how they feel about Eaton, given the current makeup of that group of alternatives? It's funny, you know, his barrel rate is not out of line with what he's done before. His hard hit rate's decent. His max EV is the same. So it's not about the quality of his contact. He's got a 9% walk rate. I think it must be all the strikeout rate. If he's going to strike out 25% of the time, he needs to do something else better than he's doing. And uh, to be honest, 220 plate appearances into the season, it's not a bad time to kind of look at the strikeout rate and be like, it might not be exactly 25% going forward, but it's probably not going to be his career 17% going forward, you know? Um, it is a little surprising because the projections would say, uh, most of them say league average bats still going forward, and that could be useful for them. Uh, but I would say, you know, projections saying that he's um, going to be an okay outfielder, maybe that's also part of it. So they say, okay, maybe he could be a league average bat. We think the strikeout rate says he's not going to be. And then also, I've just, you know, he had a few plays. I like he cost Giolito like a like a no hitter or something. Or what was it? <laughs> just, there was there was something where like Eaton was trying to like catch a ball at the wall and just like fell down, and Giolito was like, 
staring at him from the mound, just like, the hell was that, dude? So I don't think he's very popular, maybe. <laughs> like, he hasn't been in the past. That's just extrapolation. Strikeout rate. Um, and then maybe the defense is worse than we think. All-time low slugging percentage to go with an all-time high K percentage. A bad mix once you get to this point in the season. I think teams would look at that and say something's off. Even if he bounces back, he's not bouncing all the way back to those previous norms. So it makes sense. And especially if there's anything at all where he wasn't popular in that clubhouse. That's a team that's done a lot of things right so far despite all these injuries. They are in a great position. If you told me oh, they also lost Grandal to an injury, which was on a check swing. Like that was... A leg injury on a check swing. That was very bizarre. Yeah, if you told me all these things, you'd, you'd say they're in the last, or they, mm-hmm. you know, this this has been a lost season for them. I mean, you could you could you could explain the Twins season better by replacing player. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, why are the Twins in last? Oh, well, they lost their starting catcher. They lost their starting center fielder. They you know, <laughs> except that's the White Sox. So um, I guess kudos to the organization for. Uh, I think getting the most out of their pitching that they've gotten in a long time. Absolutely. Steps forward from a couple guys, Dylan Cease, uh, Michael Kopech out of the pen. I mean, the just trade for Lynn has been, has worked out really well for them. Healthy Rodon. I mean, we talked about this team at the beginning of the year and said they could easily win the AL Central, but they probably couldn't withstand a season like the one that they're having. So they have exceeded expectations by getting through their biggest flaws uh, to this point. Hey, real quick though. Here's some love for Adam Engel. Uh, it's in a great defender, by the way. I think um, Engel is their starting center fielder until uh, until they get the replacements back. Because Billy Hamilton is pretty much a nothing on offense. So I think he's more of a defensive replacement. Um, and uh, Sheets is definitely a corner outfielder, and so is Goodwin at this point. So you're looking at your starting center fielder for at least a month or two. Um, and uh, he's going to, he's, I think his pop is underrated um, and he's going to steal you some bases. So, I, you know, I'm very glad to have him on labor. And I think uh, if you, he's available in your AL only or deep league, like consider him. Like uh, I think he could hit better than the 230 is projected for. He could do like 240, 245. Uh, with five homers and uh, maybe five steals going forward. I mean, it's I'm not painting the rosiest picture, but that's uh, useful in a lot of leagues. Safer than Daniel Johnson is where I would say Adam Engel goes at this point. And, and in a similar option. package of, of like a singer package of, of stats he could give you. Definitely. Had one question come in for this episode. This one came in from Taylor. He writes, what are you guys making of Chad Cool these days? Since returning from the IL, the command appears much stronger, and the last four starts in particular have been excellent. Blister issue aside, partway through the June 30th start, Slider looks nasty and could work for him if he leans on it more. Looking forward to the next episode as always. Thanks, Taylor. I think you mentioned Cool recently as a bullpen trade target for other teams, for contenders, like as a guy that is definitely good enough to get guys out. It's the question of whether or not he sticks long-term as a starter. So what have you seen lately from Cool? Yeah, I've always liked his breaking ball. And one of the things that I've always wanted for him is to throw that breaking ball a ton, you know, and kind of, uh, you know, kind of join the uh, 50-50 club, you know, per se. Um, And Stuff Plus tells that same story where uh, the slider – and the curve are his best pitches. 
Uh, the changeup is about league average, and his four seamers and his four seamers sinkers aren't that great. Um, and uh, in terms of uh, command, he's pretty poor, actually. So it is kind of the package that would make uh, a big leap forward if he was a reliever, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think they keep trying him because a they need uh, starting pitching, and b uh, maybe he has more value on the trade market as a starting pitcher in the meantime, and c you know, he has representative other pitches, right? Like he, he's, he has a change up, you know? He, um, and so um, I will say looking at the location and stuff numbers, he has been trending uh, positive. Uh, two of his, uh, his two best location plus uh, starts of the year are in his last four starts and two of his best stuff uh, starts of the la- of this year are in the last four starts. So, I think that's partially uh, just throwing his good pitches more and his bad pitches less. Um, and, uh, you know, showing maybe a little bit more uh, strategy when it comes to location because his command plus is like an 87. It's uh, it's reliever level. So I think like long-term he's a reliever. Uh, but short-term, very interesting acquisition for um, someone looking for a cheap pitcher that could sit on their back. And this is probably true for fantasy too. A cheap pitcher that, like, in any given week, like, sort of a streamer situation, um, somebody that, or if it's AL or NL only, somebody you could acquire for not very much. That if he does go to the bullpen, like, just still gives you innings. Like, he will give you innings, and they will be okay if it's on the Pirates or not. Um, and uh, there could be some good starts in there, but I think long term, the the vision for me for him is a reliever. Yeah, I agree with that. Streaming use is the proper way to go with Chad Cool in the short term. Thanks a lot for that question, Taylor. We will take a lot more questions on Friday. So rates and barrels at theathletic.com is the best way to email us on Twitter. He's at Eno Saris. I am at Derek Van Riper. If you don't already have a subscription to The Athletic, you can get one now for just $3.99 a month at theathletic.com slash rates and barrels. For Eno Saris, I'm Derek Van Riper. We are back with you on Friday. Thanks for listening. Thank you.